the road so far. After a head-on collision orchestrated by demons, the Winchesters find themselves in the hospital with Dean battling for his life. He nearly loses, too, until his father makes a deal with the yellow-eyed demon to bring Dean out of his coma. In exchange, he gives him Samuel Colt's gun, the only thing that can kill their arch-nemesis. After burning John's corpse, Dean is left with his father's whispered last words. Watch out for Sammy. The hunters find allies at the roadhouse. The owner, Ellen Harvell, her daughter, Joe, and Ash, a genius dropout. They also come across other psychic children, Andy Gallagher with the power of persuasion, and Ava Wilson who has visions of death. But they make enemies too with the vampire killer specialist Gordon Walker who grows increasingly suspicious of Sam and his gifts. On one hunt, the brothers try to stop civilians from making demon deals like the one John made to save Dean and to perform the ritual to save them. But demon deals are a strictly run business, and once you make one, it's almost impossible to back out. Almost. Welcome to Hell Ain't Complicated, a supernatural podcast, fancast, podcast, fancast. Today it's a fancast. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be very horny for Dean. I'm really sorry. We got some good <laughs> Dean episodes. I am feeling very bisexual in this Denny's tonight. <laughs> Denny's. And with me is Bo, of course. How are you? I am good. Both of us just independently marathoned the last four episodes of season two, so <laughs> I think we're both pretty emotional right now. These are some banger fucking episodes. Also, sorry, I'm gonna be eating pepper jack and like during the episode. Okay, listen, I'm exhausted. I'm drinking. I got pepper jack. I'm in a state right now. I'm upset about Dean Winchester. I'm in an, like a different state of being right now. So this is gonna be really fun. <laughs> oh, believe me, me too. God, I, there's so many things I just want to start talking about right off the bat, but I have to wait until, you know, it's actually... I know, it's going to be really hard. Relevant! <laughs> okay, okay, let me... Well, there's... The thing is that there is Supernatural news. Like, Supernatural did trend this week. Also, we're recording on the 3rd of October. So, if anything major happens, I'll scooch in and say something right about now. But... Nothing really. As of right now, mm. the only big news is that Jensen Ackles, like, changed his appearance at the con from um, Sunday to Saturday. And every and it's probably because he had, like, a dentist appointment or some shit. But everybody is like, oh, the divorce continues. Oh, the beef. The beef is so strong. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he probably had another professional engagement for a um, show or movie or whatever he's actually currently working on, not a show he did before. Like, that's probably what it is, but it's hilarious that everyone's like, he bowed out of his <laughs> panel with Jared <laughs> to do one with, I think, is he going to be on the one with Misha Collins or is he just going on his own panel? Either or. I mean, it would have happened yesterday, but I've heard like nothing about it. No, so no, I guess no, no, nothing, no, no. Like, this is the 15th. 
I thought it was yesterday. No, it didn't happen. Oh, I'm a dumbass. Okay. <laughs> it's next. No, ne- the week after next? Shit. Okay. Yeah. That's why I didn't hear anything. Okay, I am so smart. Oh, and then we we release an episode that week, too. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be fun. Yeah, so we're going to have a lot to talk about because there's going to be a panel. But today, for now, we're going to just power through and do the last four episodes of, this, of season two because I want to get to season four so fucking bad. Let's fucking go. Episode. Let's go. <laughs> episode 19, Folsom Prison Blues. April 26, 2007, written by John Shiban, directed by Michael Roll. When an old block is reopened in the Green River County, uh, a ghost is released, killing the inmates. Three months later, Dean and Sam are arrested during a heist and are sent to the haunted prison to help Deacon, a former friend of their father. While FBI agent Victor Hendrickson presses Dean, the public defender Mara Daniels believes the brothers are not guilty of most of the inconsistent charges against them and helps the Winchester brothers in the end. That description is by Claudio Carvajal from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. My fave. I fucking love Claudio so much. That has nothing to do with it. There was something in real life that reminded me of Claudio. And I was just like, I love my best friend, Claudio. I love them. They're the best. My personal friend, Claudio. My personal best friend who has written like 3,000 plot synopses. I hope they get paid for that. I really hope they do. Um... (laughs) This is, I mean, it's not a bad episode. I watched this one last because I just wanted to see the other ones first because they're like peak episodes. This one's pretty interesting, though. I really like this episode because, okay, so <laughs> when I first saw this, I was still in high school, right? And I was still trying to like figure out what I what I wanted to do with my life back when I thought I would do college and shit, you know. And so- I mean, same. <laughs> At the time, um, what I was really interested in is pursuing a um, social work degree. And then when I got that degree, I wanted to kind of like specialize in, you know, prison reentry. So helping people who had gone to jail or prison actually, you know, have a life to support themselves once they got out because they didn't really have, they don't have much of a support system at all. Our our society kind of just like writes off everyone who's been labeled as a criminal like the prison system is so fucked so of course naturally when i saw this and you get to see like dean being like hey sam why are you being a dick about these people in prison and i'm like it made me like was like oh dean i'm so obsessed with you i'm in love with you because that like one is one of the things that really made me you know love dean so much like, okay, specifically, there was a point where, like, Sam and Dean are in line to, like, get lunch or whatever the fuck. And Dean is like, we need to stop the ghosts. Innocent people are going to get killed. And Sam's like, yeah, innocent people in prison. And Dean's yeah. like, these are people. They deserve to live just as much as we and everybody else does. And it's like, Sam, you were going to be a lawyer. And you don't think prisoners deserve rights? What the fuck is wrong with you? I know. Like, it... It just, it was another one of those things where it's like, he's supposed to be the main character for the most part. He's the whiny, nice guy self-insert. So, like, for the most part, you're supposed to agree with him. And then, of course, like, I I do think that the goal of the writers was to be more like, Dean has a point here. But also, you can really tell the, like, there was a point, part where he said to Dean, hey, uh, 
does it make you nervous how easily you seem to fit in here? Yeah. And Dean's like, no, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> these are just people. It also just makes me so mad because Sam does not think of himself as a criminal. And I mm. mean, that makes sense. We don't either because we are watching this happen and they're the protagonists. We're rooting for them. They're just doing what they have to do to get the job done. Then you realize, oh shit, they commit crimes on the regular and not just, you know, breaking and entering and grave desecration. Episode one, they talk about doing credit card fraud to support themselves while they're on the... So they regularly commit fraud and other things. They regularly steal... To just kind of get by because they don't have a normal um, source of income. So on top of the necessary crimes in order to, like, in the process of saving people, sometimes you have to break into houses or you have to light remains on fire. There's, like, there's other crimes that they're doing, too. It's like, hey, Sam, you realize um, this is where you would end up if anybody ever caught you for all the fraud that you've been doing. And if you got caught for murder, you'd be sent somewhere worse because you guys have kind of murdered people. You're just, again, they're just in jail right now. Yeah. It is so weird that, like, Dean, like, Dean and um, Tiny, who, uh, the guy who plays Tiny is actually, like, Jared and Jensen's real-life bodyguard. We'll get there when we get there. But, um... Dean, Dean, like, starts a fight with Tiny on purpose to let Sam do some investigation bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiny starts talking about, like, yeah, my family was really rough, and my dad fucking sucks, so my brother literally killed him. And <laughs> Dean is a little bit like, oh, I didn't mean to get your life story. But it's also, like, that's the Dean. That's what happens to Dean all the time. Men are just like, I, I, I am suddenly in love with you, and I need to tell you every <laughs> last bit of my personal life story. <laughs> But it's also playing into that trope where the big scary guy is like actually has an emotional center and he's open with it because that the thing was- is mm-hmm. I was worried it was going to go there and clearly it was like starting to like Dean made a face but then Dean kind of started to be like oh this guy clearly kind of needs this like he's he was just starting to be like yeah. okay actually I'm willing to listen to this guy because clearly he needs help and I'm here for him I have nothing better to do so I might as well try and help him but then the ghost shows up and blah 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 but like exactly if the lay person was watching this and wasn't like a crazy pants tr- like <laughs> watching for all of jensen ackles micro expressions they'd be like oh dean is like oh this is really stupid i don't know why you're but the thing is that it mirrors dean's own life story like mm-hmm. his dad sucks and well he kind of blames himself for his dad's death so like it's not that different i imagine in his brain you know yeah also i imagine if he was a little bit less brainwashed or john pushed them a little harder he very well could have been his life story absolutely and i'm just really sad that he died i didn't want him to die he was he had self-image issues he was working on it he was acknowledging it like i hate i hate it when specifically for people who are criminals or in prison, that is the big trope. That it's so funny when they start to open up emotionally and talk about... Like, that's what they should be doing. 
exactly that's why are you laughing at this this is how they start healing this is what we should be doing when somebody commits criminal acts is we should be giving them therapy and support and like both financially and emotionally like we shouldn't just be locking them away and treating them like animals but that's another conversation yeah like, I had a note earlier that was, I, I deleted it from the doc. But like, I literally had a note earlier. I'm like, I am just counting the seconds till they make, you know, a prison mm, joke. Yeah. Like, you knew it was going to happen. And they kind of did. They Not as did, bad but... as other things, but like, it's in there if you're paying attention. Yeah. <sighs> but it is very nice that, that like, this character is like, hey, these are people and they deserve respect. Granted, I am still going to fight them, but they do not deserve to die just because they're not innocent, quote unquote. Yeah, and... Which is good. But it's also, it just made me mad that the dude, you know, the longtime friend who called them up to help was the Mm. fucking warden. Yeah, holy shit, yeah. Also, okay, this is, like, mm, the, mm, like I like I said, this I'm gonna be very horny this episode because like I didn't remember this episode at all. So I just noticed that the warden, like you know, you know, you know that trope where you have like the sword under the person's chin and you yeah. like <laughs> he did that with a baton, to and then me. later on he like grabs Dean's chin like forcefully, but he does it like in an underhand way, which is just like I'm just like watching this. I'm like. Mm. <laughs> It definitely did have some a little bit sexual tones there, yeah. which is really weird because he was the dad's friend and the same age as their dad. Oh, why is he manhandling Dean like that? I, I'm okay. I'm just going to be normal about this. I'm not going to examine it. I'm not going to think about it. I also think it's fucked up that Dean straight up didn't tell Sam about him. Wait, he did it. I missed that part. Oh, my God. Yeah, Dean didn't tell him about what exactly the extraction plan was. He, like, when Sam tried to bring it up, he's like, don't worry, it's a sure shot. And then at the very end, Sam is surprised to find out the warden is Moody or whatever the fuck. No, Moody is the name of the uh, criminal. Um, Deacon is the name of, yeah. And I'm just like, I kind of get why they did that. Because I feel like Sam would not have been able to pull off all of that more authentically if he was in the know. But it also seems like, why wouldn't you tell him? Because it just read to me like Sam did not know who the warden was. So bizarre. There's a lot of choices were happening between Dean and Deacon. I think it's another way of um, putting the viewers more in tune with Sam. This is very reminiscent of the other... um... The bank heist episode where Sam is constantly just like, why are we here? I want to leave. I hate everything about this. I hate everybody here. I want to go home mm. right now. <laughs> it's so funny because the more criminal Dean acts, the the further they, they are like, okay, Sam, remember Sam is the conduit here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam's supposed to be the compassionate person who loves everybody. And yet <laughs> he's just so pissy. I love it when Sam gets pissy, yeah, though. Exactly. Pissy Sam is, like, all-time Sammy hours. It's really good. It's so... <laughs> I love it. I love it when the gay demon blood kid gets angry. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when it's really busy in the supernatural Starbucks and the gay... <laughs> 
Oh, good for him. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, is there anything else we want to say about this episode? I don't want to go too much further into it because it's like compared to everything else, it's not that much. Yeah, it's not that much. I was just, uh, I really like this episode because I think it's a very, very good Dean episode. It's another one where it also shows you how well Dean can pretty much fit in everywhere. Cause oh my he, god, absolutely. Yeah, he takes to um, jail life like a fish to water, just <laughs> like he did in the episode about um, the movie set. And it's like, those are two pretty different <laughs> sets of circumstances. It's weird because he's I mean, not your everyman, and yet. He's just whatever people want him to be. Like, literally, that's Dean as a character. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> okay, trivia. Um, when Dean stands up, hands full of cigarettes, and shouts out, Hey, fellas, who's ready to deal? You can see Jared Padalecki grinning and mouthing the line along with Jensen Ackles. Jensen Ackles celebrated his birthday, March 1st, on location at the prison set during filming for this episode. At the beginning of the day, the 50 extras dressed as prisoners sang happy birthday to him in the yard. That's kind of cute. That is cute. Cliff Costerman, who plays Tiny, is the real-life longtime bodyguard of Jensen and Jared. The three men are close friends. I have also heard that Cliff is a bit of a homophobe, or at least he does not like Misha very much. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Um... Dean is not wearing his amulet or ring when arrested, obviously anticipating that his belongings will be confiscated in prison, which is so sweet. He, like, took off his little bisexual accessories, be like, I'll come back to you when I can. Stay safe. (laughs) Um, Imagine if Dean painted his nails. Oh pierced his ears. It would be, okay, it would be over for all of us if he painted his nails. It really would. Oh my god, I would have fucking lost it. Like, just like watching these episodes, if he had either, either or, I would be dead right now. I would not have survived. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, this episode marks the last chronolo- chronological appearance of the Impala's Kaz 2Y5 license plate, Kansas specifically, which has been used since the pli- pilot episode. I will explain what comes next in the um, next trivia for the next episode. Um, some of the charges laid against Dean are mail fraud, credit card fraud, fraud. grave desecration, armed robbery, kidnapping, three counts of first degree murder, and breaking and entering. And this is the only episode of Supernatural set in Arkansas to date. As of February 2015, would not be surprised if they never returned to Arkansas because nothing happens in Arkansas. Yeah, that's fair. There's a lot of, there's a couple of states that they just overall skipped, so... They really did. And now, and now, episode 20. What is and what should never be. I do just want to say before we go into this, mail fraud? Like, who hasn't committed a little bit of mail fraud, even on accident? Technically, technically, if, no, like, if you get someone else's mail and you don't turn it in, that's technically mail fraud. Like, oh, if you that's forget true. to turn someone's that. mail in, that's mail fraud. I know, because me and my roommate have had an impassioned discussion about this. I think literally every- I've done that. Everybody's done that. Because, like, I was like, hey, all this mail that isn't ours, we can throw it out. And I meant the junk mail. And she was like, no, that's mail fraud. How could you? And I'm like, oh, oh, this is where we're drawing the line here? Mail fraud? Before the- I was like- <laughs> Before the- <laughs> Before the CIA can can imprison me. I didn't open the mail of my neighbors. I promise. I never did it. <laughs> Every, who hasn't 
committed a little bit of accidental mail fraud. Like, why are you charging him with that? It's probably a different crime he actually committed. But when I hear mail fraud, that's what I think. (laughs) Mail fraud is... Okay, yeah, you're right. Mail fraud is extremely funny for Dean fucking Winchester, who has killed so many fucking people. He has three counts of murder on his rap sheet. And they're trying to get him him. They're going to nail him with that mail fraud. That is really funny. (laughs) Oh my god, that's really funny. I think it was the first Transformers movie where they had the one dude and they were trying to question him and he just breaks immediately and he talks about all of this, like music he's stolen and he's like yeah sure i downloaded a couple of songs online who hasn't who hasn't and that's that's all i can think when i hear mail fraud who hasn't oh my god, oh god. that's kind of me i'm sorry I'm, I'm i'm done with that i just had to point that out no that is really funny actually that's just like you did mail fraud and some murder by the way and murder but yeah, I think this was my favorite between the two, between the four episodes. I can tell the next one's going to be your favorite. So let's move on to the Jen episode. Really quick, mm-hmm. really quick, tiny mini AU of the week. Victor Hendricks and Dean Winchester, Les Mis, um, oh, what are their names? Jean Valjean and Javert. Yes! Yes! <laughs> that's, that's, that AU. That's yes, 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 yes. I love like, it. He's like, I love it. He's Except literally for his... chasing him for mail fraud. Like, come on. Chasing him for mail That's his, that needs to be his that's only his count. That's his bread. <laughs> yes. No other, he has in, been indicted for no other crimes, just mail fraud. <laughs> <laughs> no, for it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Now, cast two white five five. Your parole, your parole is up, and your something is gone. What? I can't remember the song. I'm sorry. What's the name of the, what's the song? Now it's four two four six oh one. Your time is okay. Now five. Now cast two five two y five. Excuse me. Your time is up, and your parole is gone. Oh that God. means I'm free. No. <laughs> I'm gonna edit that so it makes sense. I swear. I swear. You need a little bit more time to think about it. It's look down, by the way. Just look up the lyrics, and, and it'll probably help you like do a remix of it. Okay. To be fair, I'm thinking of the meme version of that song. That's like no two four six oh two four six oh five oh six oh nine oh two six oh six. Your time is up, and your time is up, and your time is up, and your time is up. Let's <laughs> still look down. That means I'm free. No. no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Episode 20. Episode 20. What is and what should never should be. Never should what be. Never, never ever. Be? Yes. <laughs> I am drank a lot. I'm very tired. So the only way I can counterbalance the tiredness is by drinking a lot. I'm very tired. Also, I'm high on pepper jack cheese. High on pepper jack cheese. I had a thought while I was cutting that cheese. You know how in like a lot of fandoms, especially Supernatural, mm-hmm. <clears throat> That, like, a character will be, like, the food they like will become their personality. Like, Dean and Pie. Yes. I want Pepper Jack cheese to be my 
pie. If anybody... Because, like, I love pepper jack cheese, but I don't like it so much that, like, if people were annoying me with, like, memes constantly about pepper jack cheese, I'd be like, well, I can never eat my favorite food again. Because it's not my favorite food. I'm not going to say what my favorite food is. But if people are just like, yeah, Claire, she is pepper jack cheese. Here's my AU where Claire is a giant person made out of pepper jack cheese. I'd be like, yeah, that's me. Jesus Christ. That works. I just really love Pepper Jack cheese. It's so good. It's so delicious. If anybody ever writes RPF of you, that's what they got to oh, do. Oh, please. I would love that. I would love RPF you, you of you. You want me. someone to actually write RPF Yes, of, of course. You. Why do you think I have a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Is this you giving our one um, listener um, permission to write RPF? Please. I will pay you to do it. <laughs> If you have a coffee, I will I will put $10, if not more, into it. I promise. I promise I will. <laughs> anyway, okay, this episode. Jesus Christ. What okay, is it? What should never be? Okay, May 3rd, 2007, written by Ray L. Tucker, directed by the Eric Kripke. Dean gets attacked by a djinn, a character... A... <laughs> A creature capable of warping reality. Next thing he knows, he's in Lawrence, Kansas, in a stable relationship with a woman named Cameron. His mom is alive and well. Carmen. Oh, no. But he and Sam are barely on speaking terms. When the idea of a peaceful existence begins to settle in, visions of his previous life as a hunter starts begin appearing out of nowhere. And Dean must choose between this short, idyllic life or his difficult reality as a hunter. That's my Durfell 85. That is not Claudia, beloved Claudio. That's somebody else. But also Durfell's getting up there. Durfell is like a close second behind Claudio. Anyway, this episode fucking hurts. Yeah, it really does. Which, like, it's so fucked because, you know, you're going through the episode and this is our introduction to the gin. So we don't know how they work yet. And like the huge twist at the end is that, oh, it's all in his mind. He didn't actually get his wish to bring back his mom. So he's going through this life. And the whole time he he remembers his life as a hunter. Like he's fully aware of where he is. He's cognizant of all of that. So I think th- I think that part of the summary was a little bit misleading. Yeah, that's true. But um, yeah. And so he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's like, oh, my wish was granted and mom was brought back. But I guess you only get the one wish granted. You don't get a perfect life. But that's fine because I can still fix my relationship with Sam. He's still here. Um, and like all of that. He's like not even surprised to find out that he was a shitty older brother, which is so weird to me. It's so fucked. It's so fucking weird to me, especially because you find out later that this is all in his mind. Like it could have been perfect. The djinn didn't actually warp reality and everything else, you know, stayed the same. So if his mom never died, he would have been a shitty brother. Literally, this was all in his mind. So this is all built off of what would convince Dean. Like, in his own perfect world, he's still a scumbag. Yeah, like, not even, like, his own perfect world, but, like, the djinn had to, like, leave he's a scumbag in there for him to be convinced that his wish came true. Because... Like we all know, Dean doesn't believe good things can happen for him and that he deserves good things. Like, there's no universe where he is not disappointed in himself. And it's so upsetting. It's upsetting. Exactly. It's so wild to me that the djinn, like, intentionally kept that in. Because I feel like for a lot of other people, the djinn could probably make a near idyllic life. (laughs) Even hunters. 
would probably fall for that. Like, I think Sam, if Sam was captured by a djinn, at least this early season Sam, um, and he was, like, given one of those lives, I think not knowing how they work and all of that, like, if you were going into this, like, it was Sam instead of Dean who was captured, I think Sam would have gotten a pretty idyllic universe. Like, yeah. Like, not everything would be super, super perfect, but I don't think it would be quite as rocky as Dean's is. But Dean is just still so happy with it. Like, the boy is thrilled to mow the lawn. Like, yeah. he, oh he talks so much shit in season one about, you know, these civilians. But when he's not, when nobody's watching, he is thrilled to be a civilian. Another thing I really noticed in this episode was that the entire episode, like, he, you know, he knows he's a hunter, so he's inherently, like, acting off, and he's, like, trying to figure out the mystery. But everybody, everybody is asking him, like, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Oh, have you been drinking? I think you've been drinking. You should go to bed. You should sleep it off. Like, in his perfect universe, everybody's telling him to stop drinking and to take care of himself. I'm so fucking upset about it right now. Exactly. Like, I feel like a lot of that is, of course, the gin trying to protect itself. If you start to look too hard at anything, of course, if this is the normal world, people are going to act like something's wrong. But the go-to for Dean that Dean does not question is, hey, are you drinking? Because he's already well on his way to becoming an alcoholic. If he's not already one. Like... Absolutely. And I just, I I really, I really, really wish... I know the CW would never, at least not with Supernatural. It's wild when you compare other CW shows to Supernatural, but that's not the point. But I really, really wish Dean got an arc of recovering from his alcoholism. I mean, yeah, I've heard from other people who like other CW shows is that like the CW really does have a problem with just like using drinking as a shorthand, like and making it look cool. Yeah. And it's it's genuinely a problem with the CW. Like uh Meg, who was in like kind of like one of the first few episodes, like brought it up. Like it, 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 it it's such a problem. It's really fucked up. Yeah. Like smoking, absolutely not. Yeah. Drinking, yeah, everybody does it and it's super cool. Even if you're in fucking high school. Like come yeah. on. That's not good. And I remember when I was like in the season eight phantom, like I remember people being like fanfics and shit, like addressing like Dean going through alcohol withdrawal while in purgatory. And I thought that was such an interesting and people genuinely yeah. thought, finally we're going to deal with Dean's alcoholism. Finally we're gonna deal with that. And they fucking did it. They just went back to their usual bullshit. I really wish they did because that's so interesting. It's so sad. It's it would have been so impactful, but nah. Especially nah. when you look at the way that they handled Sam and um, the demon blood. Like, he was so demonized for that. They did, like, this really quick, dirty detox. And, like, it it was just, like, the world's worst kind of um, allegory Mm -hmm. for um, addiction. And then, like, a couple seasons later, he's all Mr. Clean Living. Like, yeah. I just, I'm so upset with how dirty they did Sam. And then, at the same time, they're letting Dean spiral further and further and further into alcoholism. And they don't, they, it is not addressed. Like, it's barely brought yeah. up. Like, the fact that they drink a lot, the fact that Dean drinks a lot, is mm. barely acknowledged. It's just, 
it's there. It's part of the set almost. Like there's very, very few times where the fact that Dean is drinking is straight up pointed out or acknowledged. Most of the time when it is somebody who acknowledges it, it's just Sam. And it's just, it's so, it's so fucking much. Like those two things together make me so angry. Like the way that they handle addiction overall is so horrible. Dean's is glorified because it's alcohol. Sam's is demonized and ugh, it's exactly it's a you lot. are so fucking you are so absolutely right. Yeah, it is really fucked up. It's not good. And especially since we were all into like I was definitely into supernatural before I was 21, before I could legally drink and just <laughs> same. Yeah, it's not a good influence like I really wish it wasn't glorified. And I personally am like kind of, you know, a lot of people in the pandemic are dealing with alcoholism. We're going to have a massive, massive problem with alcoholism Yeah. during and after this pandemic. Like everybody's going through, I am going through it. Like I drink maybe twice a week and sometimes more. And I got to really be careful. And I'm like looking forward to those days where I can drink. I need to be careful of that. Yeah. And it's important. You need to talk about alcoholism. It's not good. It's not healthy. You know? Yeah. That got a little too personal. I'm sorry. No, that's perfectly <laughs> fine. You can cut that out if you want. Like, right now, when we're in our houses, there's not a whole lot to do. And Yeah, like, genuinely, alcohol sales went through the fucking roof. Mm-hmm. Like, prohibition eras. Like, holy shit. It's... Every, like, so many people are alcoholics. And if they're not alcoholics, they're doing some other drug. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's, and we're just not talking about it. It's a fucking shame. It is a lot. Exactly. Like, that's one of the reasons why I've kind of, like, made a couple of, like, rules for myself. Like, yes. I, A, never drink alone. And B. That's a very good rule. Yep. I never, ever drink if I have work the next day. So having those two things means it's like once in a blue moon, do those align where I'm even allowed to drink. Those are the same rules I have, actually. I mean, granted, I've started drinking. I started conflating like relaxation with drinking because I am such a. I don't want to blame it on medication, but because I've become such a workaholic, I've started relating drinking to relaxation. So, like, I can only relax if I am drinking. But then even then, I'll still, like, draw and shit. And it's just like, Claire, you gotta fucking yeah. calm the fuck down, maybe. Yeah, that, that's... <laughs> I think that's one of the things about our, our society where a lot of times it's, like, relaxation is equated with drinking. Because, like, of course there's, like, the party, but then there's also the, like... They're like, oh, I'm going to come home from work and wind down by by drinking. Those are like the yeah. two ways that alcohol is mostly seen in our society and pushed. Yeah. Which is like one of the base ways of it, it becoming a bigger problem. Like it has to be. Yeah. It's like necessary as a social lubricant or it is necessary for relaxation. Yeah. Like I remember... Uh, Mo, I had a conversation with Mo once about how, like, someone at his work is, like, a very normal person. Like, you know, it's not a nerd, just le- has normal interests and a, a normal, like, fixation. Yes, like, definition normie. And he realized, after spending some time with this guy, it's because he drinks every day after work. And it's like, that's, that's what normal is in America. That's yeah. what normal is in the wet. It's... Hor- it's horrific it sucks it's not good mm-hmm. and like 
to bring it back to Supernatural, like, we could make an argument, if we are trying to, that Dean and Sam are workaholics. Their entire lives are about hunting and being hunters. Like, Dean is in this idyllic life, the life he wishes he had, the dream life he always wanted. And he still is like, I need to solve this. There's a problem to solve. I need to solve this problem. And everybody is like, no, there's no problem. Everything is perfect. Mm -hmm. The only personal problem he has is that he and in this version of Sam don't talk very often. And it could easily just be like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, like fix this relationship with Sam. And we're gonna, I'm already, he's already like talking to Sam more. Mm -hmm. If he didn't go on the like crazy train and be like, yeah, I'm under a spell and blah, 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 blah. But no, he is like, okay, I found where the djinn lives. This is what's happening. And Sam is like, nothing is happening. We need to go home. This is not good. But Dean is so just, I need to solve this problem. And I cannot rest until I solve this problem. Yeah. And it's like, it. I mean, it works for him because then he's not going to die from this wish fulfillment disease. But it's still, it's still sad. It's still sad. I think it's also part, like, if you are a hunter... And something like this happens, yeah. You got to you got to investigate and not just take it at face value. I feel like that's just part of being a hunter. Like if you were tracking down a gen, and all that you know is that they have the ability to alter reality and make a wish come true, and suddenly one of your wishes came true, he's just double checking to make sure. Hey, is this what it? it's going to be from now on, especially someone like him who has a very, very hard time believing good things can happen. Like he's obviously enjoying this life. um, And he's very optimistic about it, but he's still, he's still looking in on it. And I feel, I feel like that, that is a necessary survival tactic. (laughs) If you're going to be a hunter. (laughs) Absolutely. Do you think Sam, I personally, I think Sam would also come to this conclusion, I believe. But I do want to say, I think Cass, Cassiel, our beloved, if he, there, I'm sure there's fix of this nature. Well, we're, we're going to get to that point eventually. You talk about the fix about this. But I think Cass would not, I think he would choose to live this idyllic life personally. Honestly. But that is very a personal opinion. I think, well, Dean was very, very close to living this personal idyllic life, but um, Dean is first and for- foremost self-sacrificial because of mm-hmm. his self-loathing. Because yes. it, I, I don't, listen, I don't mean this in a like mean way, but it's not altruism that spurred him to go back to the life where all of the right that he did, like all of the like p- lives that he saved were like still like, like still there and all, all, all that, which I mean, it honestly wouldn't even matter because those people didn't actually die in his little dream world. But mm. I think it's, it's mostly he's a very moral person, but a lot of his morality is also based in self-loathing. He could not live with himself if he chose himself over other people and i think one of the main things that kind of tipped him over the edge was sam disagreeing with that because i don't think he could the cognitive dissonance of seeing his favorite person 
the person that he helped raise yeah. and he loves more than pretty much anyone at this point anyone else this is this is his only family pretty much other than maybe bobby mm-hmm. but sam is more or less kind of his whole world and sam be- being yes. like telling him that it's okay to go against this moral code that would that's just another nail in the coffin of no this isn't right this isn't sam even though the real Sam might actually say the same thing too, <laughs> like depending on the situation. I had a note about this. God, I have so many notes about this episode. Like we might have to make like a second part just about this episode because it is so much. But um, one thing I kind of thought about with this episode is that um, this is maybe one of the only episodes where Dean prioritizes like other citizens, other people above his brother. Like, Sam the entire time is like, no, don't go after this. Don't follow this thread. Don't don't chase this rabbit hole. And Dean is like, I have to. I have to. These people are dead because I wasn't there. I need to do this. And I think, and this is maybe a little bit cynical, but I think it's maybe because, because Sam wasn't loyal to him. Where Sam was just so, I mean, Sam is always like a little bit of like, hey, you need to rethink things. And Dean is like, I don't want to. But okay, you got a point. Whereas this Sam, this fake Sam, is just like, no, 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 let's go home. Let's never think about this again. Everything's fine. See, And Dean is like, no, that is not my brother. My brother would not disagree with me this much. See, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it comes with more, less my brother is disagreeing with me, but more the fact on what he's disagreeing on just makes it more apparent that this isn't his Sam. Because Sam does, Sam really does care about the lives of other people. And he's been hunting his entire life like Dean. So the fact that not only does Sam not know about hunting or, or anything like that, but the fact that this Sam is just cool with these people being dead, also a little bit of like, He's essentially a civilian who's being thrown into this for the first time. So he's freaking out too much to comprehend everything. So Dean's mm. not going to listen to him. But I think it's just a combination of all those things. And the fact that they just they just jump out more that this isn't the real Sam. This isn't oh, his Sam. Yeah, that is also very, very true. That's personally how I kind of view it. Because like I, I could get where that, that other read is coming from. But like I kind of feel like his control issues start to become a little bit more apparent starting season four, season three, mm-hmm. season four with the demon blood arc and all of that. Cause see Sam and Dean always, have always had a really weird control dynamic, but I don't think it gets bad and it starts to make like a big appearance until around then. I don't really think it's necessarily about Sam's loyalty to him. I feel like that could be something that would happen later, but I, I don't think right now their relationship is that dire, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, that's fair. End of season two, Dean, is peak, I see where they're going with the righteous man kind of deal, you know? That <gasps> yeah, is, absolutely, you can see it. Yeah. This is where I can see the righteous man, because the whole episode mm-hmm. is just him struggling and struggling and wanting desperately to be selfish, but then knowing, hey, my selfishness or what he views as selfishness or whatever. These other people, there's so many countless lives that I've saved, but my life would be misery. Like the the breakdown he had at his father's grave, like he wants it. He wants it so bad, but you can tell 
even then, he's kind of not buying it. And I'm like, oh, God, because yeah. it's just he has this so deeply ingrained sense of what's right. And he's going to be like, yeah, I am willing to go back to my miserable life. And the most tragic thing is at the end, when he finds out it's all in his head, that's when he's the most willing. Like, he is in the most despair at that moment, but that's also when he's at his most willing to stay there and die because he knows that those people didn't actually die then. But then he's like, shit, there's there's a girl out there who is dying right now. There's my brother out there. I could stay here with these fake people. But that, I feel like that is the moment he was most convinced when he found out it was in his own head. And he realized mm. that he would be absolved of having to... Um, cost those people their life that he had already saved. And I'm like, that's so fucking tragic. Like, he's already suicidal in season two. Mm-hmm. He's already yeah. high-key su- I mean, honestly, season the, one he was too, but- The fucking thing is that in this, with this shit, like, he's gonna be dead within- Days. A few months. They don't really- Yeah. In the real world, it would say days, but he said in his mind he could live out a full life. But he said about three <gasps> or four days. Oh my god, yeah. So within a few days- But then- you know, we know now from our fucking real life perspective, he has 13 years left at, like, at left on this point. He dies younger than his own dad, his own shitty dad. Like, and he, he, we're going to get there, but he dies the same way he lives as a sacrifice to other people. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. I'm upset about it. Uh, yeah. Like, we've already talked about how upsetting it is that I think he said in season one, that he knew he was going to die on a hunt, die bloody, die, yeah. um, you know, go out in a blaze of glory, that kind of thing. Ugh. And especially in these episodes that we're going to talk about, like, that is him. He, like, especially in his talk with Bobby, where Bobby is like, why the fuck would you give up your a life for your brother? Why would you, you have one year to live. And Sam's like, and Dina's like, what else do I have to live for? The only thing I have to live for is giving up my life for other people. I have no worth. I am not a person. I'm not worth it. And it's just like... Especially when Sam was gone, there was no other reason for him to stick around, even for himself. So he's like, what am I going to do now? He's like, all my life was worth was being cannon fodder in the war against... Protecting my brother, and I couldn't even do that. Exactly. His only worth is to... Be a shield between the civilians and monsters. And the only reason to stick around for himself would be his family. Well, his mom's been gone. Dad died not too long ago. Sam was the only thing keeping him around. The only thing keeping him from going full reckless, full, full, you know, dead man walking kind of deal. But then Sam dies and he's like, well, all my life is worth is giving it up. Might as well give it up for him. Putting this episode right before- I know, just- It's so much. It is so much. Like, all the Dean girl feeling. Like, if you didn't have Dean girl feelings before, like, you have to have them now. Um, okay. Really quick. Is there any- There's so much to talk about with this episode. We might have to save, like, I have so many- There's so <laughs> much about it. Um, okay. Actually, next week, how about we save a little bit more of this this discussion? Because we do have to talk about- 21 and 22? Yeah, we do. But we also need to talk about, like, uh, the effect of Jin, the Jin trope oh, on yeah. fanfic. We need to talk about that, but also I don't want this episode to be too long. We can save that for next week. 
yes, let's do that. So trivia, blah, 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 blah. God, I have so many feelings. Um, this is the first time the Apollo is seen with the Ohio license plates instead of the Kansas license plates. Sam explains this was, this was done due to their fugitive status, yada, yada. Um, Still think it's hilarious that even after the bank robbery thing, they kept the same fucking plates? What? Like, you could have kept it Kansas and changed the... No- I don't understand their brains. I don't get it. I don't get it. But also, the license plate says Kaz, which is Kaz, for the foreshadowing of that. I don't think it was. I think it's just it's for Kansas. It's not. I know it's not, but like, you know. Let a girl it, dream. Exactly. Um, the scene where, De- oh my god, the scene where Bre- Dean breaks into the house to steal silverware and Sam interrupts him is, is a throwback to the very similar scene in the beginning of the show's pilot episode, even including some of the same dialogue. It is actually, like, shot for shot the same You're right, shit. I didn't even it's notice incredible. that shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thankfully, I read the trivia before and I was like, wow, that re- it is exactly the same. It's insane. Um, Samantha Smith, who plays Dean's mom, Mary, we all know, um, she's only nine years older than Jensen in real life, which is kind of fucked. Yeah. (laughs) That's how Hollywood is. But granted, I do appreciate that in the later seasons, I do make her a character. And she is like, you know, an older woman. Hollywood fucking hates older women. But Mary Winchester is a character. Honestly, I haven't seen too much of her, but... I appreciate how real they made her so far. Mm -hmm. So far, like, they didn't just drop her back into the mother role. What they did is they had her be complicated. They had her bucking back against it. They had her struggling with living 30 years in the future with adult children that last time she saw them, one of them was a literal infant and the other one was four. Like, like you'd love to fucking see it. Just like, she's complicated. She doesn't always make the best decisions because guess what? She's dealing with a lot right now. And I love it. Oh, God, not to bring up Steven Universe, but like, I do absolutely adore confronting the like, beautiful, perfect, pure mother figure and like, examining that and breaking her down and being like, who was she as a person though? You know, Mary Winchester was not a good cook. Mm -hmm. Like, in the episode, she actually makes Dean a sandwich, and it's really good. But, like, knowing what we know now, like, she probably just threw a bunch of shit together. And Dean is just so burnt on, like, fast food that he was like, any sandwich, any homemade sandwich is good, you know? And kind of the implication, oh, this is what Mm -hmm. got me the most, the implication that he doesn't visit his mother that often. Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. And she lives alone in this big house. Oh. She says, like, a kind of low-key bitter kind of thing. Like, I'm glad that you're dropping by. You know, you know, sometimes parents are like, thanks for calling me. Like, my parents don't do that. (laughs) But, like, you you see that trope a lot. Also, that's another thing about this episode is that Mary is, like, the person who has actual character. Whereas, you know, Jessica is Jessica. She's the perfect woman for Sam to marry. And then Carmen... The only things we know about Carmen, Carmen drove me fucking insane. And not, I'm purely coming from a place of like 
feminism and not like, oh, I don't want Dean to be with women. Her only lines are like, hey, are you okay? The only things you know about her is that she's a nurse and she lives. She literally, her entire existence is to please Dean. That's her entire existence. Like, it makes sense as a gen dream for that to be what she does. But like, I really wish they gave her more of a personality, even so much, even if they had her make some sort of joke with Dean. I would have been happy. Like, like, she during the dinner, she jokes like, after this, let's go get a cheeseburger. And it's very much like for his benefit. Exactly. Like, he ha- gets this food that's like very fancy and it's low carb or whatever. And she's like, we're going to get a cheeseburger. I'm like, going to prove that I know Dean and I'm thinking about Dean. If she made, like, yeah, like if she had just made some sort of joke that was like not completely. If she even said... I am dying for a cheeseburger. I'm still hungry. Like, that would have been something. Yeah, exa- exactly. If it made it more about her. Like, and that, that I'm like, I, I, I get why it was done, especially when it's, like, revealed at the end that she's literally just a model from a beer. <laughs> yeah. A oh, my God. Yeah. Beer ad. Literally, yeah. She is literally just a sex symbol to project his fantasies on, and it sucks, and I'm upset, and let's continue because that is a lot to think about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but we were going to continue with the trivia, and then you're going to take a bathroom break. Sorry. Yes. It was Okay. Um, I'm going to do the other ones because there's one tr- piece of trivia that actually makes me so upset and we're going to go back to it. So, um, the scene where Dean visits John's grave is one unbroken take. Eric Kirkby says that the, it was a second or third take and they just filmed with, uh, separate cameras so they wouldn't break up Jensen Ackles' performance. We are going to see in these, in this span of episodes, there's so much fucking jacting. Holy <laughs> Jacking choices. Jensen is fucking acting his jussy out. Holy shit. He is going so fucking hard for four <laughs> episodes. Amazing. I love him. I stand. I, I can't help it. He's an incredible actor. Um, Kripke describes <laughs> Kripke describes Jensen on the TV commentary as a treat to work with because of how he can tap into emotions and convey convey it on camera good for him love him he is such a good actor oh my god stan 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 she was in more shit but he's been 15 years slaving away for the cw i know i mean yeah he's just been doing this one character and just been like going fucking imagine god this is so nerdy imagine playing D D with Jensen Ackles, like a character-driven D. oh my i would lose it like that is my personal heaven i think actually oops he would go so hard. I'm sorry. That's really nerdy. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. We we know who you are. You're a D&D I nerd. I know. It's just, oh, I would love that. That would be so fucking cool. Live your truth. <laughs> Say it with your chest. Um, this episode, along with season 10 Supernatural fanfic episode, fan fiction episode, are the only two episodes as of 2015, where the only thing that dies is the monster of the week, Wild. which is a fucking insane, insane, insane insanity thing to, to happen. Because at that yeah. point, there were 10 seasons. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I'm sure there's like maybe one or two episodes, but like still I think fucked up. probably it's because most episodes are introduced with the first victim. So yeah, like that's, that's how they establish what the um, monster is by having a victim that they investigate. So I I guess it's not all that surprising, because that's how the Monster of the Week format works. Yeah. 
um, there's a guitar at Dean's dream apartment, and Jensen Ackles himself can play uh, guitar in real life. Dean has not, to this point, shown any musical ability. Also, I really want to know, so Dean, in a perfect supernatural universe where the fans partially write the show, Dean absolutely plays a guitar. What would Sam play, though? Listen, listen, listen to me. I'm right, Mm. and you know it in your soul. Sam, if he lived a normal life, would be in band. Like, he would be doing band in high school. Like, Mm -hmm. he would be very serious about it. I do not know enough about band to, like, pick which instrument, but I'm I'm feeling like it's one of the, maybe, like, clarinet. Snare drum? something a little bit Oh, clarinet, yeah. But, like, I feel, I feel like that would be, you know... He'd be a band kid. He has band yes. kid energy. Like he does debate club and he does band. Of fucking course he does. He does what in band? Uh, debate. Oh my god, you're right. Debate and band. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Okay, let's take a quick break and then get into the the finale. Good lord, I'm so sweaty. My mouse got all the way over there, damn. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Hey, you back yet? Yeah. I'm very sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, last night I was at my sister's, like, super early Halloween party. And mm. I was dressed up as Luigi. And. Yes. <laughs> Like you, you messaged me about um about doing the show today, and I was like, I'm sorry, I can't read all of this. Whatever's happening, it'll be fine. We'll work it out. I'm doing jello shots with my sister right now. It was so funny to me because I was just like, oh shit, oh shit, I'm fucking up, I'm fucking up so bad. You're like, I'm doing jello shots. I'm like, everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> That's what made you realize everything was gonna be okay. <laughs> Well, it was mostly me being like, I need to make everything okay. And then, you know, in everything, I'm done fine. I watched all the episodes. It's it's just really, it's just so funny to me. I was just like, this sure is a lot of words, but I think she's freaking out about the the schedule. It's, don't don't worry about it. It it was all on me. It was on me freaking out being like, I need to make sure you know what's going on so that you don't like get overwhelmed by all the shit in my own life. And you were like, I'm doing jello shots. I'm like, okay, I'm the one freaking out. And so we're going to be fine. We're going to be just fine. Okay. Should we start? Yes. All right. <clears throat> okay, we had a bit of a break, and now we're back to talk about the finale of season two. God, this is going to be a hell of an episode to edit, but that's okay. Um, episode 21, All Hell Breaks Loose, part one. May 10th, 2007, written by Sarah Gamble, a fucking course, because this is a huge Sam episode, um, directed by Robert Singer. Uh, the yellow-eyed demon transports Sam, Andy, and Ava, along with two other special children, Jake and Lily, to the remains of a ghost town to initiate the first steps of his war against mankind. Sam soon learns that Ava disappeared, and since she disappeared, mm-hmm. she'd been killing all the fucking other special children <laughs> yeah. within this town ever since. For five months, she was just, like, killing people. It's insane. Um, and now she's, like, ultra-powerful and can control demons and shit. Um, Dean contacts Bobby, Ash, and Ellen for help to locate his brother. Uh, when they catch up, they find Sam and Jake as the only surviving children until Jake stabs Sam in the back and kills him. (gasps) And also the road has burned down. It's a lot. 
a lot happens for this in this episode, and yet somehow it's still, you know, exactly. boring. I don't understand how. I'm actually going to say a little bit of trivia up for this first because it actually recontextualizes it a lot. So basically, in the DVD commentary, the writer of this episode, Sarah Gamble, mm-hmm. says that the Breakfast Club. Have you seen the Breakfast Club? I have. Okay, that was the inspiration for the plot of this episode. Um, in that this is like five disparate people are trapped in a circumscribed space and learned about each other's lives and personalities. Which, like, I can see, but also personally, I very much saw the Saw movies in this, where basically Saw is like, you know, people get are in a trap and they're like, what's going on? Oh my god. Especially in the first one, there's two people, they wake up, Mm -hmm. literally the movie starts, like, they wake up, they're in a bathroom, they're chained Within this bathroom, there's a dead body in between them. And they're like, what's going on? What's happening? This episode truly is like Saw meets Breakfast Club. Yeah. It's like kind of a perfect medium between the two. Yeah. Honestly, while I was watching this, I'm like, this is such a very fun premise. But also, like, it was so boring. The execution was lacking is what it was. This episode is boring, but also at the same time... I do, I do want more shit mm. where the Winchester brothers are separated and they are talking, they are communicating. The girls are communicating with other people outside of their family. Yeah, exactly. I I did like that. Like again, it's like this is such a good episode. I just wish they did it a little bit better. <laughs> you know exactly. That, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I did like the fact that Jake, mm-hmm. which, unfortunately, he does become the villain, which fucking sucks because yeah. he's, like, the only black guy. Okay, actually, what's interesting is we have a black guy who is a soldier from Afghanistan, He and he just, like, wakes up, and suddenly he's in fucking, what is it, Arkansas or whatever the fuck? I think you're in one of the Dakotas. Yeah, he just, like, wakes up, and he's in Dakota, which is, like, fascinating. I do really love that. They don't really explore it, but that's, like... Oh, that's like some good horror right there. Like, imagine, imagine that. That's horrifying. That's really cool. And then also, we also have our, like, kind of our first gay character where we have Lily, who is canonically a lesbian. She has a Mm -hmm. girlfriend, but she electrocuted her girlfriend because she's evil. And then she gets hung by demons on the windmill. And it's just like. So, was that what her ability was? It was electrocution? I think so. Okay, because yeah. I just knew that when she touched people, they died. I was like, oh, is this like a rogue thing? It's exactly a rogue thing. She kills people when she when she touched them. So, yeah, rogue, basically, yeah. Okay. It just sucks because, like, as soon as they introduced her, like, she already has the dead girlfriend, and that was kind of like... I kind of wish Sam had mentioned, yeah, my girlfriend died too, and it was kind of my fault, blah, blah, blah. I wish they got a... That's a good point. She's a person. Really surprised that Sam didn't say that. And he just kind of got quiet and said, I'm sorry. Because normally Sam would follow that up. And it wasn't until you just said that that I realized, oh, this is 2007. That's why he didn't. This was supposed to be the big, oh, look, we're including gay people thing. Damn. Exactly. It's it's been like a little bit over 10 years and it's so different now in TV. It's like, okay to acknowledge that a gay person exists. But at the same time, hold on. I need to do a really quick Google about Buffy the Vampire Slayer because like Willow 
a lot of people have a lot of criticisms about Willow because Willow, Willow dated a few male characters mm-hmm. and I crushed on a best friend. It's like, whatever. But then she like was like, she found Tara and was immediately like, I'm a lesbian now and I'm a lesbian forever and I was never into dudes. And it's just like, bisexuality exists, but okay. I mean, you know, compat also. Yeah, like it could go either way. She could have been a lesbian who, you know, was experiencing compat or was closeted and she knew she wasn't into those dudes. I, I never saw that show. I only saw the first like two episodes. Either of those could work lesbians date like there are women who come out after they've been married to men for years they're like yeah i'm a lesbian i'm sorry same thing with gay men from personal experience i do believe that people can just kind of change sexuality like i like i have recently i literally just like woke up one day and i'm like oh shit i'm bisexual but I fully believe I was lesbian for, like, a good couple years, like, like 2018, 2017, mm-hmm. et cetera. But now I'm like, yeah, I'm bisexual. Yeah, obviously. But, like, that's also, for now, shouldn't be, like, the, um, mm-hmm. the main, the narrative. Like, yes. It's not a very good way to present the whole of the community. If you're trying to go for inclusion, sometimes you have to start off with a little bit more heavy-handed black or white you can't get into all the nuance because straight people ain't gonna get that yeah like i think we are gonna start seeing that within a few years which is very nice and i'm sure mm-hmm. i'm sure like some people in the industry have similar experiences to me i know rebecca sugar has definitely has some experience but it's like yes i'm a woman but also i am also not a woman yeah <laughs> but yeah but like also Willow kind of annoys me. God, we have gone so so tangential. But also the episode, nothing happens until the end, kind of. But like... Yeah, it was obviously something that that? it it didn't feel like... I mean, I'm just... I'm not saying this from experience from watching it. But like, it was something that it didn't feel like it was organic. Like, they didn't write her as a lesbian at first. They wrote her as a straight woman and then decided, you know what, we'll we'll make her a lesbian now. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Because sometimes, like, you can put in little details while they are still closeted and nobody, even the audience, knows. Yeah. And also, you know, there's nuance. A human sector, it's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I'm probably going to take a lot of this out, but I had a conversation with, um, so in my D&D group, you know, we're all kind of bisexual. <laughs> Me and this other person are a little bit more male leading right now, while the other two are more sapphic leaning and it's very interesting me and one of the other people we have like the same types like we're both um autistic we're both agender we're both intps we're like the same like all those types it's insane how much we are all we are both leos we are both everything (laughs) we're and yet we are such different people it's insane and we were like trying we were like talking about less i'm like why are we still so different despite being exactly the same in every way (laughs) and i was like i think it's because one you're hypersensitive while i'm hyposensitive like we're hyper hypersensitive hyposensitive autistics and also you're so fucking sapphic of course you're still bisexual of course absolutely you're still bisexual but you're much more sapphic where i is a little bit more male leaning at least in this moment and i think that was kind of like what clicked for us because this person is watching supernatural like from the beginning and going on and it's just like this show is okay i don't really get it i'm like it's because you're very sapphic and you don't you don't get obsessed with 
dudes as much as I do and as much as this other person in this D&D group do. Like, me and this other person, we get obsessed with dudes. Like, uh, I just find it so interesting that there is, even with people who are so technically similar in so many labels, we are still such vastly different people. And I think we kind of need to realize that as a queer community. Like, Mm -hmm. there is a tweet I saw once that's like, queer people need to stop treating the queer community as a fandom. And I at first I took, like, offense at that. But then thinking about it, it's like, kind of do. We were, like, forcing ourselves to have labels. Like, yes, I'm team this. I'm team team lesbian. I'm team gay. I'm team trans. And yeah, and it's like, that is absolutely about. If you find a label that fits you, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, yes. I love that for you. I wish I could quite find the label that fits me because I personally don't quite fit anything like i'm a little bit arrow i'm a little bit ace i'm a little bit bi i'm a little bit autistic i'm a little bit of everything and i nothing ever quite fits me personally but and sometimes i meet people who are like i can't believe people will say that they're this but they're not fully this and it's i who cares who fucking cares it drives me nuts it drives me nuts wow we got so off topic but it's just a massive rant for me just labels are very concentrated and supernatural thinks that at this point it at that we're in supernatural sees a lesbian it's just like a lesbian is a big deal Mm -hmm. it's oh my god a lesbian character we need to make space for her and then also we need to kill her to show how tragic her story is and it's like there's so much more to the queer identity and thankfully supernatural does see that kind of eventually Mm -hmm. especially with like claire Charlie does get killed off, of course, because she's a lesbian. It sucks. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm talking so much, but it's just so fascinating that Supernatural has gone from 2005 to 2020. And the massive difference in between of going from, like, you know, prison rape jokes to an angel is gay for the main character. It's insane to think about. I also think- and this is like the first gay character we encountered. And that's why it's so monumental. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I also think that, honestly, when you take a look at Supernatural, there's way more actual textual sapphics and sapphic re- like relations than there are like kind of male homosexual kind of gay kind of jessica and carmen were definitely fucking in between oh my god (laughs) continue sorry i feel like it doesn't it doesn't threaten the masculinity of um yes of any of the main characters Uh, i feel like a lot of more masculine oriented things are more comfortable with introducing side characters that are like lesbian or bisexual women yeah, you're men. so right. Um, gay men sometimes in very small doses, and they they have to they have to know their place. Bisexual men, oh god, no! I feel like that would make a fucking. <gasps> oh my god, yeah. uh, That would. I feel like oh, it's weird because bisexual men seem to threaten super masculine men more than just straight up gay guys. Like, it's wild. Yeah, and so I feel like that's the reason why, especially like the way that they had. Cass's um, confession and how, like, I'm surprised they, like, did it in the first place. Like, they let him come out and say it. I'm like, oh, wow, shit, you you guys were writing it romantic the whole time. 
But like, um, the way that they did it was so fucking clumsy, falling over themselves to try to, you know, try to preserve the masculinity of the whole show of Dean of, you know, and then they kind of let the the lesbian characters be a little bit more free because that, that didn't threaten um, Dean's masculinity or the macho-ness of the show or anything. Like, gay men are very hard to find. Like, it's, but even especially in Supernatural, like, you don't really see gay men. Like, I remember we see Aaron in the... Um, Golem? The Golem episode? Yes. There's the gay Gorgon, and then there were the, the gay hunters... Um, Cesar and Oh yeah, there's gay hunters Jesse. and then there's the gay cosplayers doing Dean and Sam, which is a lot to talk about. We'll get there when oh, we wait, get oh, there. Oh, oh yeah, Dean and Sam. Th- those were like Actually, wow. it is very interesting. I do actually see a lot more gay men than lesbians in Supernatural, whereas, you know, I'm a very I wanted to be an animator, so of course I'm obsessed with animation. Animation is right now in our current place rife with fucking lesbians and bisexual women, but gay men like bisexual men you don't fucking see it and we need us we need to see it we need you know boys are going to be watching the show like both cis boys trans boys anything they're going to be seeing this and they also need representation as well but also you need like many of the producers are much older than are either our age or older than us and they have they're just like, oh, yeah, lesbians, the porn section of Pornhub. So they're more okay with lesbians in that way. I think it's also the demographics they're going for. And also, like, fucking Mass Effect. Sorry, sorry, I'm going over. But fucking Mass Effect Andromeda. Like, literally, there is a, a few, like, awards where women, you can get every single award. Whether you're doing, like, you're playing a straight woman, bisexual woman, lesbian woman, anything. Mm-hmm. But there was specifically, if you play a male character interested in male aliens, you could not get a certain award because they just didn't consider the fact that gay men or even just anybody would want to play a gay man romancing a male alien or male human character. They just didn't consider it. It's all about women, you know. I think there's a little bit of fetishism, like, oh god, there's so it's it, it, this is it's such a nuanced topic because like we're getting so much more representation for uh, queer women, but queer men are not getting that, and it, it there's damage for it, like a literal triple A game just forgot that queer men exist yeah. and forgot to make an award for them and had to make like extra content had to make a fucking patchwork and it's just really upsetting that's like i mean i mean i'm sure there's more like important examples but Mm -hmm. that by itself is really upsetting yeah and i I think it also has to do with who like the demographics they're going for Mm -hmm. because if you do have canonically like queer men you will draw a lot of the gay community but then you'll you'll also draw a lot of young women because Like, like sometimes lesbians will draw young men, queer men will sometimes yeah. draw young women. So there's like, they're like, yeah. we don't want the gays here. But also, some like, because there is also fetishism the other way. Cause exactly. That is such a, yeah, that is such a massive topic mm-hmm. that's like not talked about enough. Like, young women fetishizing men in fandom, I've, gay men yeah. in fandom, I feel like... I don't know if maybe I'm just biased, but 
that's where a lot of the crazy, like, feral fans come from. That specific demographic. (laughs) No, okay. Let's fucking talk about this. I don't even care if we talk about the other. We need to fucking talk. It's such a fascinating... Are we going to have to put that up to season... Are we just going to split this into two and then we'll do the season finale the next episode? Yeah, maybe. Well, I'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. I have a whole (laughs) week to edit. Don't worry about it. Because we need to talk about... It's such an interesting topic to me and it's also like... It is something I personally struggle with, and it it's which is such a, like a shitty thing to say that like oh I personally struggle with fetishizing gay men, but it kind of is because I don't really like I've genuinely talked about this with my therapist. I'm like I feel like I'm a bad person for being like I love watching like male characters fall in love with each other but i don't really quite feel the same about female characters falling in love with each other granted i still love to see it you know i follow every single cartoon that's like hey there might be some sapphic characters in this i'm like i'm here i'm here i'm here i'm fucking here you know owl house steven universe she-ra i'm fucking here for it and i love it but i'm not i never quite reach that obsession as i do with you know dean cass reaper 76 all the other ships i have like there's just something about it that hits me but also like and it's hard to determine is that fetishization or is just there is something about that aspect that just hits me the right way yeah and there is a youtuber oh my god i will cut in and say what the youtuber is because i can't remember right now james summerton but he is actually like actively talking about this and he's taken a pretty neutral stance. He he talks about um killing stalking and the fandom for that and how disturbing he finds it and like that is not my thing. Like if you're into it, shh, all right, but it's not great. But there are the, you know, people like me that just see, you know, just Dina Cat like I I kind of realized recently talking with my God, I'm sorry I'm talking so much about myself and my own experiences. <laughs> but like I am much more um, D&D hyperfixated than Supernatural hyperfixated right now. <laughs> um, but it helped me kind of realize that I just really like to see characters who just are very tender and emotional with each other. Whether or not they're actually genuinely like in love. Like in my mind, Talia and Asamlin are not romantically in love, but they are also in love with each other in a certain way, in a certain platonic way that is also not the normal friendship way. And I kind of realized I feel the same way about Dean and Cass. Like, if I read any fanfic, as soon as, like, they kiss and they are, like, an th- item, I'm kind of done with the fic. I'm kind of like, yeah, all right, they're together. That's mm-hmm. all I That's all I care about, that they love each other and they just, like... Like, we'll put their hands on each other's faces and, like, look into each other's eyes and tell each other that they love them See, no matter what. That is, and that's a good shit. That is also, yeah. like, my thing. I am not here to see an established relationship. I am here for the dramatic getting together because, as you know, I yeah. am a rom-com junkie. And so I feel like... Part of the reason why, at least up until recently, was because a lot of media, like, there there weren't very many women. If they were gay women, mm-hmm. they were either already in established relationships or they didn't have a relationship with somebody that you could see, like, build in the dramatic getting together. Because that's what I go fucking buck wild insane over. <laughs> like, I want the the 
awkward like first date that you absolutely ruined and you're like oh god I never want to see this person again and then like weeks later you run into each other and there's somehow still a spark I want dramatic enemies to love I, I want all of it all of it but like part of it is of course there's always going to be the fetishization one way or the other of gay relationships part of it is yeah. there's not very many men uh, not very many women period on screen than the ones who well written exactly female characters. like ones that yeah. you could find something compelling enough to to want to like ship them like i will find if i'm reading something with a female protagonist or i'm watching something with a female protagonist every single interaction no matter how flat or static the female character is i'm like this could be romantic this could be <laughs> they could they could be a thing like and it makes me so upset when they don't do that because nowadays yeah. there are so many more female characters who are written better even like 10 years ago like I yeah. could not find that kind of media. I probably just wasn't as good at looking for it. I also, my gay goggles weren't quite as, you know, like they're like glued yeah. onto my face now. Back then they were just like, occasionally <laughs> I'd like put them on when I watch certain stuff. But like now every time, <laughs> every single fucking time I see a show and there's like a woman on screen and I'm attached to her as a character, she will interact with a woman for two seconds. I'm like, please let her come back. Please let them be in love. <laughs> like, no, that's not how it's gonna go. <laughs> And like the thing is, yes, go ahead. Men get to have very deep relationships with each other on screen. Mm -hmm. Women, at least the stuff that I've seen, don't. If I started watching some shit like Gilmore Girls, I'd probably be a huge lesbian shipper. I should actually probably do that. Isn't it mostly a female <laughs> cast? I think so. I'm gonna become. I'm gonna become a fem slash Gilmore Girl shipper. Yes, that's what's yes. gonna happen yes. to me. Yes, yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. That's what's gonna fucking happen to me because I'm gonna be like, oh shit, I need to watch Gilmore Girls. That's like all women. <laughs> the thing I'm thinking about is that, you know, you were absolutely fucking right. Like, female characters are so underrated. But like you're saying but now, also, like, we're making more. Yes. Sorry, but continue. Yeah. Oh god, sorry. I have like ten different... I think about this constantly. This is such a, like... It's such a complicated issue, personally. Just... I find it so fascinating. But also, like, distressing at the same... Like, okay... So, for, you know, the majority of, like, fandom history, like, it's been, like, het pairings or male-male pairings. And very, very, very little female pairings. Mm -hmm. And we all say it's because female characters are underwritten. But, but also... also Female characters are written much better these days, mm -hmm. but they are also not as popular. Like mm -hmm. some 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 femme slash characters are getting up there, but they're not quite reaching the same status mm -hmm. as these male male pairings. I feel and like I feel like there's something there's something about it. I feel it. like another reason for that, and this is like part of it is because you don't see fandoms go as crazy over them because I, I feel like that there yeah. is definitely a component of fetishization there. And then when there's not enough people going crazy over them, the people who do like them, it's more work, you know, because yeah. I am, I am not a content generator. I am here to sit back and read fanfics and um, see other people's art that they're making and watch them make their posts. So if it's not already there, I'm not going to really be able to engage with a fandom much because I'm not going to make anything myself. Yeah. 
So I feel like the fact that there's so many small ones, and I feel like people like me need to start stepping up and being like, I will single-handedly build this up. We need to we need to make the fem slash we want to see in the world. That is very, very true. At the same time, there is like fem slash I want to make. Like I okay, personally, I want to make there are two comics that oh my god, this lighter will not work if I work. I feel like it's gonna explode once I get it to light. Oh, this lighter just doesn't work. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> it was trapped in my couch for like five years, so I guess it doesn't work. Never mind. I'm gonna sit down. There's a lot of noise. I'm very sorry. Um, yeah, it there is work there, I think, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about male slash, which is very interesting because. In the industry, male slash, it's not there. Nobody wants to see it. Mm -hmm. But in the fandom, that's, like, the hot topic. That's how you get the notes. That's how you get the attention. It's very... It's really weird. It's very interesting dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't know why that is. It's such a multi-layered issue. Definitely, definitely. (laughs) Going back to this episode, it just really... It just treats, you know, lesbian as, like, a very black and white like yes i am a lesbian and i love a woman and that's like the end all and i killed my lover just like you did sam and he's like oh sorry yeah and he doesn't even he mention doesn't that doesn't even mention that happens. he has like, that same guilt of causing the death of his girlfriend i was so shocked yeah. that he didn't say that i was like hey sammy that's like your go-to line like what are you doing yeah <laughs> let's that's what all you've been saying these past two seasons. You're just leaving that out now. Yeah. But like, yeah. And at the same time, Supernatural is going to get a little tiny bit better about queer shit much, 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 much later on. Yeah. It's just interesting. I just, fandom's experience with queer shit is also very interesting. It's a lot to cover that we can't cover in one episode. We need to go. <laughs> We didn't even talk about this episode. Sam basically is just like, wakes up in town. There's a bunch of the other special blood children and they're all like, what's going on? But then Ava turns out to have been killing everybody and she can control demons, yada, yada. Sam gets killed. Also, there was a little bit of leader Sam and I was like, yes, leader Sam. That's my favorite type of Sam. But then it turns out the demons are like, we want you to be the leader. We want you to be the leader of our army. It's like, shut the fuck up. I don't give a shit. Sam is a natural born leader. I don't care what demon blood says about him. And if anything, that's even cooler that Sam would be a leader because of his monstrosity. That is good fucking content that they did not explore anyway. So Sam dies. He gets stabbed in the spine. He dies. Anyway. Okay. One last thing I do want to say about this. Um, Like we were talking about with the premise of this episode kind of being based off of the Breakfast Club and everything. I think I told you about this, but there is this show. um, It was like a Netflix animated series. Um, I didn't really watch too much of it, but the first season blew me away. I loved it. Um, It was um, The Hollow. And the premise was these three kids wake up in this puzzle room that they have to escape. And they're in this strange new magical world and they don't know why they're there. And their memories have also been wiped. The only thing they remember is their names. And of course it's revealed later in the series, oh, it's a video game. They all agreed to be sent into this video game and have their memory temporarily wiped. And they're in competition with another team. And honestly, I would love so much if, like, we got more of those vibes 
from this episode because this was such a cool concept waking up in an unfamiliar place surrounded by for most people strangers and having to kind Mm -hmm. of compete it out duke it out like that's such a cool fun episode and yet somehow they made it boring they made me uninterested in it I had to pause it several times because I just started like daydreaming ways that it would be more fun. Like, I don't, I'm so sorry. I'm just shitting on this episode. I'm sorry. They tried to take a breakfast club approach, but it's, it's not, it's not the breakfast club. They didn't bond enough. I wish it was, but it's not. If they had focused more on actually having them bond, because the whole time, most of them were suspicious of each other. So if you wanted to have the breakfast club thing, you know, um, work you had to at least get to the point where they bonded a little more because um yeah. he bonded a little bit with what was his name jack he was a J. yes he bonded a little bit with him at the end there i just i thought it was so fucked his his justification was let me kill you because then at least one of us survives and then i can go after him like if anything it would make more sense for sam to kill you because he's the one who knows more about what's going on it's just so funny like Jack's just know. like, let me kill you. I, I like you, but it makes more sense that <laughs> they do that instead of letting him kill Bob. <laughs> like, no, that makes less sense. What are you talking really about, does. sir? And then, um, <laughs> oh, of, of course, naturally, I have to talk about um, this is like Sam dying and Dean crying and holding him, and Dean's family oh. devotion theme comes in. I'm like, fuck, not family devotion! Shit. Oh, it hurts. It hurts so it bad. Hurts. All right, let me do the trick. So, yeah, I mentioned Breakfast Club. Granted, this episode did feel more saw, just like people are being tortured and they're trying to kind of bond with each other while also throwing each other under the bridge. That's this whole fucking episode. I do want more of this episode. It's just that supernatural saw, maybe the low ratings for this episode or people being like, this episode's boring click turn off and be like oh we can only do brother episodes they're like no not you're missing the point you're missing the fucking point anyway (laughs) um jensen said that he didn't even need to think of someone closer to him dying just a thought that jared dying hurt him enough after the cut was called jensen stayed on his knees crying and hugging jared after he had to go walk it off for a bit and you know 15 years later they're divorcing right now shut the fuck up there is a Charmed episode from 1998, uh, also called Charmed, All Hell Breaks Loose from 2001, um, in which one of the siblings dies. Charm aired in the same network as Supernatural. Also, I think that sibling might have stayed dead and they replaced with a new sibling because that previous dead sibling just, like, didn't want to be on the show anymore. <laughs> That's what I got from Taylor. And hopefully Taylor will be on this show eventually because Taylor has a lot of feelings about Charmed. Oh my god. And the last one I have, which was interesting, is that um, in Indian mythology, at a Chiri, which is like the ghost of the girl, a Chiri is a ghost or spirit of a little girl who comes down from the mountains and hilltops at night to bring sickness to humans, particularly children. Um, the only defense against an Achiri is thought to be a red ribbon tied around one's neck. Oh, I love that. I live for that shit. But it also kind of sucks because, like, they introduce a new classification of demon where the demon doesn't have to possess a vessel. It is literally just, like, that. And it just takes a form. It's never brought up again. It's never brought up again. You could have taken on so much, like, drama just by, ugh, whatever. They realize that they introduce a lot of complicated lore that makes writing shit 
um, more difficult for them, or they just straight up forget that it was ever written, especially since the strike is coming. (gasps) Oh my god. That's kind of why I made this, like, a four-episode episode because i just want to get to episode three so fucking bad i just want to like finish episode three get to season four so bad yeah and so ex- exactly like they they don't have really consistent writing they're still fumbling to try to figure out the lore and like the swap from seasons one through three lore into season four lore makes no fucking sense you ca- i try not to think about like the whole demon blood children thing and how it makes no sense with the true vessel thing too much or else it just makes me angry (laughs) it feels like it's plots for two completely different shows yeah oh absolutely the thing about these like kind of last episode is like they'll do really good like long parts about like the emotional stakes of these characters but like the actual plot itself would be like eh whatever there's some demon children don't worry about it but okay they're all dead so like don't worry about it oh there's like a literal gateway to hell but we closed it so never worry about it again it's like excuse me this is also important Mm -hmm. like i love knowing about the emotional states of these characters but these aspects are also important Especially later on with this ep- this show less twenty years. Hello, hello. It's insane. Okay, you ready to do the last episode? Yeah, there wasn't really too much in this episode to talk about, honestly. You know, I'm probably gonna leave a lot of queer sh- shit in because it is important, and I think we brought up a lot of topics that I personally deal with. Anyway, okay, episode twenty two, all hell breaks loose, part two, and then we're finally done with season two. Fuck yeah. May 17th, 2007, written by Michael T. Moore, directed by Kim Manners. Dean goes to the crossroads in Greenwood, Mississippi, and summons a demon t- to make a deal to bring Sam back. Having luckily survived uh, the fire in the roadhouse, Ellen finds the Winchester brothers and Bobby to deliver the documents that Ash left in the safe. Because Ash made a fucking call to the Winchesters like, I can't tell you about what he found over the phone. You gotta come to the roadhouse. Of course he's gonna die. Yeah. That's what Naturally. I- I feel like Ash is like just genre savvy enough that he would know that, but also he is just paranoid enough <laughs> to yeah. be like, I'm not going to talk about it over the phone. Um, they find that Samuel Colt built a huge devil's trap in Wyoming, which guards a gate to hell. Meanwhile, the yellow eyed demon gives the cult to Jake to open the gate. Jake opens the gate, but is brutally killed by Sam in retaliation. Debatable. Um, Dean and Sam face off against the yellow-eyed demon, but John's spirit holds it off, and they finally, 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 finally kill Azazel with the cult. God, so much fucking happened in this episode, but there's nearly not too much to really talk about, except for, again, the brother's emotional moments. Like, he brings, um, he brings Sam back, and oh my god, like, honestly, I was really shocked at how, like, how well, I guess, Bobby was handling Sam dying? He was weirdly cavalier about this shit. Like, literally at the beginning of the episode, he just, like, picked up some fucking KFC and was like, hey, Dean, you want some? You hungry? You hungry? And Dean's like, I'm not hungry, Bobby. It was The weird. only way that I can rationalize that is he was probably just trying to keep it together as much as he can for Dean. I feel like Bobby would understand how much this hurts, though. But he is like, hey, I picked up KF fucking C. I know. Want some chicken wings? Yeah, I feel like it it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense how Bobby's acting. Like, I feel like the thing is, sometimes we give Bobby a little bit too much credit. He is just some old guy. He, I feel like he's really trying here to be normal, but he's overcorrecting to being insensitive. 
But that's like, oh, at the same time, like I am complaining about Bobby being too confident, but also that's like Bobby trying to be a father figure and failing. And yet later on, he shows such a display of affection for Dean yeah. once he realized, okay, like uh, to go on, like Sam and Dean show up at his door and Sam is like, hey, Bobby. And Bobby's like, hey, Sam. Sam is like, thank you for patching me up. And he just walks into the room and Bobby just glares at Dean. He's yeah. just staring he's so at him. He's so enraged because he's so, he's scared. He's terrified. Yeah. And he kind of gets it from the glances that Dean is giving. Dean is Don't like, yeah, uh, we patched him up. He's totally fine now. Right, Bobby? And Bobby's like, yes, this is fine. And then, hey, Dean, can you help me pick up some books from my car? And then they go to, and just... Just oh. tears into him. He's just like, what were you thinking? Like, you you can hear the emotion in his voice. He is terrified and angry, but it's all coming from, you know, that, that place of love and worry. And like, don't tell me you didn't sell Dean is soul. just revealing how suicidal mm-hmm. he is. And it's just, it's just these two, like, I care so much about you, but then I don't care about myself at all. Just like banging there against each other. And just Bobby just like kind of tries to like, he like wants to slap Dean, but he just ends up like just Gently cradling his face. Yeah, he just like kind of, not even like slaps it. He just like pats his face really hard, but it's just like, I love you so much. I don't want you to die, but I'm so mad. Oh God, that part really hurt yeah, me. Yeah, like that is a my boy moment. Like I, I, I could like feel the yeah. my boy that he was not saying. And it just, it's so wild. And I'm just like, why wasn't he a little bit more emotional for Sam? Like- because That's he valid. immediately took <laughs> off after Jack trying to trying to, you know, get him. But like mm. that and him trying to to get Dean to eat and, you know, take care of himself is the only reaction we see to Sam's death. And yeah. Like he gets emotional over Sam moments later, but like damn, it's like that's such I feel like it's yeah. just, there's a lot. I'm going to give Bobby as much credit as I can because the man deserves it. I'm going to say it was just a very, very emotional time. A lot of ups and downs. And this is a real big, you know, down. Because mm-hmm. on one hand, it's an, uh, Sam is back. That's a shock. But then also, holy fuck. Dean, what did you do? Did you sell your soul? Tell me you did not sell your soul. You yeah. Know? I think what it is, is that he can relate to Sam in losing a partner. And that's kind of the extent, uh, granted, there's much more, but of course, but like, I think he can relate to Dean more because Dean is just so self-sacrificial. Like in fucking Mystery Spot, Bobby, even fake Bobby is like, here, just like kill me and everything's gonna be fine. And Sam kind of believes it for a genuine minute. And I honestly think he does kind of relate to Dean a lot more. And also bringing it back to like, if we had Missouri instead of Bobby, I think she would have related to Sam a lot more. But now we have Bobby who relates to Dean a lot more and being like, my life is hunting and that's all I'm worth. I'm only worth it for hunting creatures and stopping evil. I also think it's a different conversation. It's Mm. one conversation where you're, you're trying to, Make sure somebody who has lost someone, someone you've also lost, is okay. And you're being clumsy about it because at the end of the day, he just is some middle-aged dad. But it's another conversation where you have to look at 
the man you think of as your son in the eyes and ask him, are you dying? Did you make a decision to die? And also what really hurts is that from the the perspective of the show, our perspective is so different, but from the perspective of the show where they didn't know that the right of strike was going to happen and shit, Bobby really did think he was just going to have a year left with his boy. Mm. And in season three, we see Bobby a fucking lot. Like, I got to double check, but we do see Bobby a lot Mm -hmm. more after this point. Like, Bobby does become their father figure, and he's going to be a father figure to Dean for a year. And that's it. Like, that's so fucking tragic and sad. Oh, Bobby just wants to be a father so bad, and he doesn't even realize it. I just... It's just so much because, like, it's one thing to, yeah, like like I said, like, there's one thing to look at your son and be like, hey, I know you lost your brother, but you have to eat. We have to bury him. And it's another thing to look at your son and say, are you dying because you brought him back? Like, that's a lot to deal with in one fucking day, especially because he yeah. can't let Sam catch on. He doesn't even get to, you know, have the relieved, my God, you're here moment. Because at first he's stunned. Then he gets the, you know, the the vibe from Dean. Oh, he can't know. So he doesn't even get the moment to, you know, fall all over Sam. Yeah. God, just like truly like Cass is obviously my favorite character. But Bobby is a very close second as my favorite character. Like I know I'm such a Dean girl, but like Dean is like top three, maybe top five. I love Bobby so fucking like he is truly the embodiment of the show. Okay, like in the previous episode, like Eric Kripke is like, I don't like the roadhouse. I don't like that there's a counter community. He hates community. He hates found family so fucking much. So he kills a roadhouse. But Bobby stays alive. Bobby tries to hunt Jake down because he's so old. He can't like quite get up. But like Bobby is found family. Mm -hmm. That is Bobby. Complete. That's a whole point of his character. Bobby is like what Supernatural could have been. Yes! It's like all the best of Supernatural is represented in Bobby. And he died in what? Season 7? Should have fucking tipped us off to jump ship. Yeah. Honestly, that was actually like the death. The only Supernatural death that actually got to me. Like actually made me cry. That's the only part of Supernatural that actually genuinely made me cry. Well, shit. Because I love Bobby so much. I love him. He's... The best. He's everything. He's everything that Supernatural is and everything Supernatural should be. Just the fucking half slap, half pat on Dean's face. He's so angry, but he loves Dean so Jim much Beaver because this is the that son episode. that he always wants. He killed it. Yeah. This is why Guillermo del Toro keeps hiring Jim Beaver. Anyway, okay, <laughs> say, say your thing. <laughs> I think I might be misremembering, but like you said, he never wanted kids with his wife or did he and his wife want kids? Wait, let me check my playlist because I actually wrote down the quote he says because it hits me so hard every time. It says like, kids are supposed to eat your food and break your heart. I was so afraid of having kids. Oh God, hold on a second. Well, basically he was just like, I was so afraid of having kids because I thought I'd end up like you. My but now I have- abusive father but you died and i was still so afraid i'd turn into you well as fate would have it i adopted two boys and they turned up great they turned up heroes yeah god that that kills the just that they're supposed to eat your food and break your heart like that's kids are here to 
they're not here for you. You're here for them. He gets it. Listen, like, he I, gets it. This is not necessarily on topic, but one thing that will never fail to make me sob, like I can't even think about it for too long without getting emotional. <laughs> yeah. I don't like kids. I don't want children. Mm-hmm. But thinking about a parent losing a child destroys me oh like, my thinking god about yeah. a child losing a parent doesn't even affect me that much i don't have children i don't want children i don't like them i don't know yeah. why the idea because i i don't i don't understand it but i know that it's a very very strong bond so i, yeah. I, I literally i cannot fucking think about it for too long without ending yeah. i will cry like that part in that fucking part in Lord of the Rings where he's like no father should have to bury their child mm-hmm. and it's like just whole cloth original co- that part fucking hurts every time. And it, God, I'm so cringe for saying this. But, um, like, I remember when Hamilton was first really popular, I was, like, sort mm. of somewhat into it. I knew a lot of theater kids. And I'm sort of a theater kid. And I was, like, listening to the songs. And I just, I fucking started sobbing. It hit me like a fucking freight yeah. train when it came to um, It's Quiet Uptown. Oh, even right now, I'm starting to feel the tears building up. But... Like, yeah, there is, um, um, like the whole thing is like, they're going through the unimaginable. There's a grief too terrible to name. I'm like, that's how I fucking imagine it is. Yeah. Cause it's the natural cycle of life that a parent, that a child will lose a parent. That's not how it's supposed to be the other. So this yeah. thing that you nurtured from so small and, oh God, I cannot think about it for too long. Yeah. But then, like, oh, my God, just, like, I personally just love, I adore adoption stories. Mm-hmm. I think more people should adopt, not, like, make their own kids. It's a whole, that's a whole conversation that's not maybe the best. But, like, just Bobby adopting these kids mm-hmm. and just being so fucking, he hasn't even adopted, he, he's seen Sam and Dean only, like, less than a handful of times. And he learns that Dean gave up his soul for his brother because Dean sees so little. Dean only sees himself as worthy to die for other people. Mm-hmm. That's his only fulfilling attribute. And Bobby sees that in him and he sees it in himself. And he just, he just can't help but be both angry, angry at Dean. And also just so, so fucking sad. And he just, I want to slap you so the shit out of you so bad. I just want to, I just want to punch the stupidness out of you, but I can't because you're so full of love, and I w- I wish that was me at the same time. I, I'm I'm so upset. I'm so upset yeah. about it. I get so emotional when I think about Bobby. He's, he's perfect. This episode, I mean, granted, like some you know some plot shit happens later on, but it really is just like continuation of Dean episode. Just Dean has this monologue with Sam's body about how he just What am I supposed failed. to do? And like, he just repeats that over and over and sounding more and more broken. I'm yeah. like, oh fuck, like what am I supposed to do now? What am I the supposed to do without Jackson. you? Oh god. Jansen Ackles really was just like he just put his whole, he just put everything into this. He yeah. Had, and it's just really upsetting knowing how close he and Jared were at this point. And just, he just was thinking about his life without Jared. It's like, guys, so we, 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 yeah, our, our relationship with Jared is eh right now. But like, 
back then it was like they were best friends and just like trying to think about your best friend dying is so painful and et cetera. And just, yeah, Jensen is such a fucking good actor. It's also Holy like shit. as a sibling haver, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's a very unique relationship, especially if you have a close relationship with your sibling or like a good relationship with your sibling. It's like, yeah, what, what am I supposed to do without you? I think especially if there's only two yeah. of you. Like, I feel like you have a weird different dynamic if there's more than two of you. But if it's just two of you, that's like a built-in friend that no one can replace, even if you're not actually friends. (laughs) You know, there's a very unique relationship you have with the sibling that is impossible to replicate. Because, no, they're not your friend. But there's nothing else that you can qualify it as. Siblings just have such a unique like I, I, I think I might over glorify like siblings in my in my personal view. But I just I love sibling dynamics. There's so there's something so beautiful and unique there that I cannot tap into. And I think that that kind of maybe informs like going back to or like our ship uh, discussion. That maybe informs a little bit of like my own views on like what I want in my life, especially as someone who is a romantic, just like somebody who like fits into your life in a certain platonic way. Yeah. And yeah, I think, it's, I think there's something really unique there. Yeah. yeah, definitely. If you don't have a sibling, I'm not going to say like you can never understand or whatever. It's just like a very unique experience. It's not necessarily something where I'd be like, Oh, it's the most important relationship in my life. When I was a kid, it probably was now that I'm an adult. I can develop more, you know? Yeah. Honestly, I feel like there is, a unique loneliness to only children that people don't really talk about like especially like you know with me being autistic and shit like Mm -hmm. and the thing the thing about media is that i fucking hate even as an only child is that like most characters they they don't talk about siblings and if they do talk about siblings it's because it's like oh no i had an evil twin or something yeah it's like they pretend everyone's an only sibling but then until it's convenient yeah or somebody who does or somebody does have siblings and it's just like never brought up it's just like yeah they exist in the background i'm like i mean i guess as an adult that's kind of how it works but and then they literally call them like hey sis hey bro and it's like i'm an only child i know people don't fucking talk about that like that that's fucking bullshit that's insanity because i feel like there needs to be more of a balance it's like just have let let them have siblings introduce them organically because like i talk about my sister a lot when she's not there and my sister i found out does the same for me and it's like Mm. even though we still don't see each other super often we're not besties some some siblings are and you can write that if you want but it's like i feel like you guys need to stop pretending. Like, it's like the media only yeah. knows how to write only children. It's, it's very strange because it's so easy. Only children are very rare, too, which is the weird part. Yeah, it's like, it's such an easy way to add in characters. Just make one of them a sibling. I think it's also yeah. because everyone is so obsessed with romance. Because yeah. they, they only want to write something that'll that that has a way to turn into a romantic relationship and that might be one of the reasons so it's like your co-workers are people you're forced to work with so like that makes sense that they're all in the same place the only other people we want to include that aren't already part of that would be love interests i'm like just just let them have family you have built in honestly dynamics yeah. with that <laughs> like i 
honestly feel like that's like a massive weird problem that we're like maybe starting to get over but like i feel like that is a very weird phenomenon in media where like only children Mm -hmm. no family they just are broken inherently and has nothing to do with their upbringing like hello hello no but also they can have good relationships with their family and yet still have problems because of like social issues and you can still have a family with the, mm-hmm. the character can still have a healthy family and also be broken. That is a thing that can happen. I am doing that with my D&D character. Hello, that can happen. Exactly. I just want to see it. It's like, if you're making a TV show, like in a movie having too many characters, obviously that's a problem. In a TV show, bring in as many fucking characters as you need to. Exactly. It's like, if you need more characters, you've got, you've got some built in. Just say they got a sibling. That's it. And it's so easy to write sibling dynamics because just write them as like sort of aggressive friends. That's like all you need to do. You need to write them (laughs) as somebody. It's, It's just basically you grew up together. You know the worst about each other and you still love each other. That's literally all it is. It's like... It's like a step below the old friends trope because the old friends is yeah. I've seen the worst worst of you. I grew up with you, but also I decided to stay with you. This is a step below that because it's like I was forced to because we have the same parents and I guess I love you. <laughs> you know, we're completely off topic. What did we say about the finale so far? Do we need to say anything else about the actual plot or were we just... I mean, you know, Sam is brought back from the dead because Dean made a deal and then Bobby's really upset about it. Man, it makes me really upset. Um, they realize that there was a devil's trap made by Samuel Colt mm-hmm. around a literal gate to hell. Also, they fucking stole the idea of a giant sigil from Full Metal Alchemist. I just want to say that. that it's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> I honestly, I... I that I am I might actually have a point with that. I might actually be right about that, genuinely. I mean, even if they did like supernatural stealing stuff from better shows isn't new. Constantly. Also, we have to say that fucking they villainized another black man, which fucking sucks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was yikes. like so upset because like there were so many things they could have they could have done with all of the different, you know, children, but like him specifically, it's so interesting because he got yeah. super strength. That's it. Like that—that's they yeah. should have. They should have kept the other children around more. And I especially because Sam and Jack had an understanding. They're like, I, I see you. I see what you're doing. We like they could have had a really good bond. I feel like they could have been pretty good friends. And it just makes me so upset that they just killed him off. And, like, I also feel a little bad because on one hand, I'm like, Sam, that was a little bit of overkill. But on the other hand, I'm just like, I mean, the dude did did kill you. <laughs> like, But it's also like he is a little bit manipulated by uh, Zazel. <laughs> like, this dude did not deserve that. He didn't. I just wish, like, any of the special children would have survived. And... Cause there was no point. They didn't have to die. They literally didn't have to die. They really didn't. It's just like one of them had to open the door and that's it. Like Azazel didn't have to know that some of them. Uh, it was uh, literally just for his own benefit to see them duke it out and until they killed each other. And then even other. then, like, what's the fucking point? Um, I did want to mention one thing. Because at first I was wondering why Eva had been there so long. And I realized, 
what he was doing is he was waiting until the final round to bring in the heavyweights. And Ava was mm. not at first considered to be one of the heavyweights. And she proved herself by staying there for so long. Because we have the, the guy who is pretty powerful and able to control people's minds. The girl who yeah. can kill people just by touching them. And then the dude with super strength. I don't, I mean, I guess that makes sense why he would be a heavyweight at first. I, I guess. And then Sam, who was for some reason his favorite from the get-go. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's pretty much all we had to talk about. The way that Jack died. The fact that it was so anticlimactic closing the gate. It really was. Like, they really just, like, granted, I do, like, I do I do want shows to, like, put the emotional bullshit first before, like, the actual plot, because I feel like Marvel has done the opposite, and it's starting to, like, affect other shows. So, like, I appreciate that Jensen Ackles had his fucking monologue about not Dean not feeling like he's enough, and there's so much, like, Dean being suicidal in this, and yada, 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 and... Okay, uh, bu- 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 uh, John Winchester shows up and he holds the yellow eyed demon enough so that Dean can shoot him and they finally fucking kill the yellow eyed demon. Hooray! And like, <laughs> John Winchester like goes up to Dean, he puts a hand on his shoulder and is like, You done good, pig. You done good. And then he looks at Sam and <laughs> Sam just gives him a nod and he just nods back and it's like, Can y'all, like, I hate John Winchester, but like, can y'all fucking like hug or something? Masculinity bullshit. Like, just hug. Just hug. Just fucking hug. I don't fucking imagine seeing the ghost of someone you you love and just being like nod. That's it. That's it. <laughs> it's so much. It, it drives me insane. Also, I have to mention, I am surprised I have not been as horny as I thought. But just like oh oh oh, and Dean hit like a gravestone, and then just like the the sexy trickle of blood like down his forehead over his nose. Oh perfect props to that makeup artist because it was like the perfect (laughs) i'm sorry i'm very bisexual (laughs) and pretty much the last night i had on this is just like it's very tolkien that humans get heaven and hell maybe a little bit extra Mm -hmm. you know like the good place kind of says like when people are sick of living in heaven they move on and yet monsters have like purgatory the empty hell they have to live in these horrible places and they're like still conscious they're still themselves and they are manipulated by the environment still but like somehow they have to live a second life yeah yeah and that's that's very tolkien because like elves they die and they just go to another continent like literally that's what happens late but tolkien literally says like we don't know what happens to humans everything else i kind of have an idea what happens to them i think halflings also have the same thing where it's just like i don't know what happens to them because we don't even know what god they came from it's complicated (laughs) we don't know why they're here yeah but elf souls they just like wake up in another continent like imagine you die and you just wake up in europe like that's literally what happens (laughs) what that's okay that's very funny actually (laughs) like that's kind of supernatural too like you die in america and you wake up in australia and that's purgatory (laughs) you wake up in the outback that's literally purgatory (laughs) like am i wrong though oh my god everything wants to kill you (laughs) 
There's just giant spiders everywhere. Oh my god. I would I would die immediately. I'd be like, okay, what's the third afterlife? Let's go. I want to die again, please. Thank you. Oh my god. Okay, okay. True for this episode. Um, this is the first season finale to feature. Wait, really? This is the first season finale to feature the song Carry On My Wayward Son uh, uh, by Kansas. Um, it was previously used over the original montage of season one, episode 21, Supernatural Salvation from 2006. Uh, though Netflix particularly doesn't have that instance of the song due to like license That bullshit. makes no sense. Like, how are you able to license it for other episodes, but not it's this supernatural. one? The song has gone on to be used at the beginning of every season finale since now, since season two, um, as it comes to be the unofficial theme song. Of the, it's an official theme song. Like, who are we fucking kidding? Like, there's this, and then there's the Americana theme. The the one that they actually wrote for this fucking show. Yeah. Like, we all fucking know it. Inherently. The piano. Oh, beautiful. Um, for Dean. Oh, this was, this is upsetting. Uh, for Dean's monologue to Sam lying dead on the table, Jensen knew he wanted to play it extremely intimate and emotional. Mm-hmm. He spoke to the director before they filmed, asking it, asking how he intended to film it because Jensen knew that he wouldn't be able to do too many takes. To accommodate this, mm-hmm. the director closed the set to give Jensen privacy and placed two cameras in different angles. They did only two takes, one for close-ups and one for wide shots. Jesus. Jensen is such an incredible actor. I will not take criticism. He's an incredible actor. This is like one of the few actors that I'm like, wow, incredible performance. This guy, this dude is doing the fucking most every single time. Yeah. Like this and Dev Patel. Incredible shit. Incredible. Incredible. Um, this episode ends almost exactly as the first episode from the first season with the same camera angle from the inside of the trunk of the car, except that Sam and Dean's positions are reversed. This time, Dean drops the coals into the trunk and says, we got work to do. Then slams the trunk lid closed before the end credit starts. And in the first season, Sam basically does it. Says, we have work to do, and then slams the trunk lid. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's really interesting that they did a bunch of like parallels between this and the what is what it should never be. Mm-hmm. Like they both did parallels to the very first episode and they're like wow remember the first season that was so long ago little did they fucking know <laughs> what's your au of the week <laughs> okay my AU of the week is um they make swords like actual swords that they carry around with them on hunts that are fully made of iron so they could just slash ghosts and also they have hanahaki disease so when <laughs> danny casts each other they're just like puking up flowers because that's I, I know it's like realistically a really gross trope like I would hate to throw up flowers all the fucking time well I'm a romantic so I would never throw up flowers but like for these two to throw up flowers it would fucking suck but like it's very dramatic it's though it's dramatic oh the drama oh, of the it drama. and then they they're puking up flowers for like 10 years 12 years and then finally Cass just says it and like their diseases are cured they no longer feel the plants growing inside them because they finally admitted their truth and also they have swords hello it's it's just like those two things combined feel very utena like (laughs) utena revolutionary girl to me (laughs) that's kind of basically it I just love that. I just love this fictional disease a lot. Um, my AU of the week is what if John was the one who went into the nursery and John was the one who had died? 
And <gasps> I just like thinking about what could have possibly happened. I feel yes. like Mary actually probably would have been spurred on a little bit of a revenge um, kick. Absolutely. But Mary would have known what the fuck she was doing is the thing. And she probably already has contact. Well, she does, actually. and Which is what we find out later in the seasons. She already has contacts in the hunter community. So she would have been able to raise them in a much more stable environment. And teach them about hunting. And, and kind of give them weird complexes, too. It would have been an overall... It would have been a better way for them to grow up. It still wouldn't have been a good way for them to grow up. Yeah. I feel like Sam and Dean would still be pretty similar to what they are now, but I feel like they wouldn't have quite as much baggage. But I feel like that that would be a very, very good AU, you know? I really do love that. Because oh I feel God. like in that AU, honestly, I, I'm trying to, because the Mary now is very different from what the Mary of 1984? No, 82. I mean, even like 2007-ish, like, you know, when this episode, like, because Dean in the episode, in the Jen episode, is like, having sandwiches, like, this is the best sandwich I've ever had. And it's like, is that because in his perfect universe, is Mary a good cook? Or is he so jaded by bad food that John brought home that he doesn't know what good food feels like? And it would be interesting to see, like, the Mary version of that. Like, did Mary, would Mary have maybe become a better cook because she's trying to be more mother than hunter? Or would she be being more hunter than mother? You yeah, know? and I feel like yeah, I don't have a fully formed AU because I don't know which way I necessarily want to take this. But it's just a very good, like, premise that I like to think about. What would have happened if John was the one to step into that nursery? Because I feel like, honestly... If John had died because of that, I feel like that would have that would have definitely spurred Mary on to do something because she made the deal in the first place to bring him back to life. She mm. like I could see her blaming herself for his first death and then blaming herself for his second death. I feel like things kind of would have ended up the same. Yeah. Like, uh, I just like the idea that, like, no matter the gender, it would have been the same no matter what. Which is very sad for the boys, yeah. but it is very gender inclusive. Yeah. Which I, I feel like. like they would have had incredibly <laughs> similar upbringings. And I don't think she would necessarily be better than John in the terms of my revenge comes first. But I do feel that the fact that she has more resources in place the boys would have had a slightly more stable upbringing. I don't think she would have hauled them around the country yeah. all the time, you know? Cause, yeah, I think she would have been more careful. Yeah, because I feel like Mary's just a little bit smarter than John. <laughs> and then, of course, she has the background. I think it definitely would have been more like, you know, that one time John, like, actually lets them stay one place, and then it turns out that the teacher is possessed by a demon and yada yada. I feel like that would have been more often with Mary, where she tries very, very hard to settle in one place, mm -hmm. but every single time yes. the bullshit happens and she is just so tired, but yes. she can't, there's no other choice. She has to lug No, that would be a really good, no, that's really good, because that also would build that tension between her and Sam, too. Because yeah. Sam, he doesn't want anything to do with hunting, and then, but she knows there's something up with him, there's something wrong with him, that the demon wanted something from him. And so she's 
both more protective of him and more adamant that he be protected and know how to protect himself. Like, yeah. on one hand, she's wary of him because the demon is somehow involved. On the other hand, that that's the one that they're after. So she probably also would put a lot on Dean to protect her, his younger brother. And then make sure that Sam knew about hunting and was involved in hunting. Because, yeah, you need to protect yourself. This is going to... I'm... Ooh, because... Yeah. I mean, from a meta sense, this shit was always going to play out. Yeah. Like, this show was always kind of going to happen the mm-hmm. way it happened, whether it was a female parent or a male parent. God, yeah. Or a non-binary parent, yeah. even. Honestly? Oh, man. But we think Dean's issues are delicious now. How delicious would they be if it was his mom who did all of this? That would be another brand of fucked up. That's yeah, a completely and like, different what would his relationship with his dad be? Because like, he and Mary already had like marital problems, but the angels like soft, like mm-hmm. just smoothed it over to for their own ends. But like the opposite, where like Mary knows that she had problems with John, but it's just like over, like kind of glossing it over to be like, oh my poor dead husband. But like Dean is like, I miss my dad. I wish my dad was here. And Mary's like, yeah, but he was like. Like inward, she's inwardly like, I miss, yeah, yeah, I miss my husband too. I miss your father, but also it's like mm, he was drunk all the time, and he was, a, he was a veteran, and that's a complicated issue that I couldn't resolve within a relationship. Like it needed more, you need more people to fix a veteran than just a spouse. You need, you need a village. Yeah, that makes sense. And Mary, Mary is also a veteran herself, but in a. It's there's so many layers to this. I also do think, hmm, I really don't know how it would go because I do think yeah. she would idealize him a lot because that's especially what she was doing at the beginning. He was this perfect innocent thing. He was not, even though he was in. But the thing is, if I if I may start, I, I'm just realizing they both are veterans in very different ways. Like he is a veteran of the Vietnam War. She is a veteran of the hunter of like being a hunter. Like they are both fully disillusionized from shit. They're they're technically should be disillusionized by the American dream. And yet angels like funnel them into that for their own ends. You know? And, uh, but I do think that what Mary wanted was Mary wanted out. She wanted a normal civilian life. And she saw John as her way to that. John was the, I feel like it, it would be such a cool concept if, Mary Mary lost John and after that the marriage was perfect in her mind because like before it started he was always her ticket to a normal life he was always her sweet husband that didn't mm-hmm. know anything about what goes bump in the dark and died because of her so i feel i feel like there's still a good chance that she could go the same way that John did with her because on on in his mind he never knew that she was involved in all of that and he just knew that he lost his sweet w- wife but on her her end he was he was her escape from that life in the first place and then she lost him and she's thrown right back into it yeah and oh, especially since dean and mary are so similar that would make for a very very interesting dynamic cuz i i honestly don't think sam is all that similar to mary he just has the yeah. same goals as she had at his age to get out to have a normal fucking life. 
I feel like the two of them are reversed. Like, Sam is... I don't really think he's all that much like John, because we don't really see much of John's personality other than asshole. You know? Dean is more like... (laughs) Dean is definitely like Mary, but with kind of John's mentality. Yeah. But... You know, and I just I just think that would be a really, really cool idea if because they would be so similar, but just just slightly to the left, you know, but I'm done here. Sorry. That's my AU of the week. I know. I'm sorry. We really need to like finish that because this is already three. Uh, Give it a few more seconds and it's going to be three hours of editing. Sorry. No, it's okay. I expected this. This is why we're recording on a Sunday. So I have a lot of time, even though I'm going to be like, I'm going to draw D&D bullshit instead. It's okay. It's okay. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. And then we have the extra episode to do whatever. Okay. Um, okay. I'm Dublis on Tumblr. Dublis 27 on Twitter. Dublis everywhere. Do you want to be found on anything not really really need to find me what you gotta do is you gotta you gotta look and you will find five churches that i built a very very long time ago and i i built connecting railways out of iron for all of them and in the center you gotta you gotta find a tomb in the middle of this graveyard and unlock it and that will unleash me and then i i i I don't know we'll kiss um, yeah, that's how you find me. <laughs> uh, wow, I, I really drank way too much. Uh, you can find us at Helen Podcast on Twitter, Helen Complicate on Tumblr and Facebook, <laughs> yada yada. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed this. And Misha Collins, please come on the show. Tell me why Jensen Ackles decided to cancel his Sunday. <laughs> panel to be with you i really need to know hello i need to know have a good day everybody and carry on my wayward kids yeah sorry i'm eating a marshmallow okay i'm sorry pepper jack cheese and marshmallows I'm a hungry bitch. I'd love to eat. I'm just, listen, it's not, it's not the fact that you're eating food. It's the fact that it's those two foods. Well, I finished all my Bapper Jack and I'm still like, I need to eat something. <laughs> you're what? What? <laughs> you said Bapper Jack. <laughs> Leave me alone. Okay, is there any more trivia? <laughs>